0: And be worse Oh, I see. You think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, eh?
1: huh? You think Jesus
0: was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts!
2: Well, she's widely regarded as one of the most successful tennis players in history. She's the former world number one tennis player with a massive 62 Grand Slam titles to her name. That's 24 singles, 19 doubles and 19 mixed doubles. Uh, She's an amazing woman and it didn't all stop when her tennis career stopped. Uh, Margaret Court joins me on the phone. How are you going, Margaret? I'm well, thank you, Sally. It must be amazing for you to look back over your career and walk past your trophy cabinet to look back on what you've actually achieved in your life. What is it like to uh, to think back over what you've done uh, in terms of sport?
0: Well, unless somebody like you um, ask me questions or talk to me about it, I really don't uh, think about it very much. And. It has been a part of my life, a wonderful part of my life, and I still play and twi- try and play uh, twice a week, so just for exercise, and, and I enjoy it, but always felt it was a gift, something I love to do, and, you know, I had a dream and a vision as a little girl, and uh, coming from Albury, uh, sort of come from a fairly rough background, you know, we didn't have very much, and and uh, lived across the road from 24 grass courts, and I sort of didn't look back after
2: that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you did work hard as a kid, and then you ended up moving to be able to pursue the dream further away from your family.
0: Well, Aubrey back then was only uh, 15,000 people, and uh, but it was a very, very strong tennis centre, and I had a very good coach there, and at the age of 15, he said, uh, if you want to... Uh, you know, go to the Heights in World or further your tennis, you're going to have to go to Melbourne or Sydney. And, and then he approached Frank Sedgman down there, another man called Keith Rogers, and uh, they opened the door for me to go down there and to train in Frank Sedgman's gymnasium. And so I never looked back after that.
1: Was that a bit controversial in itself, having a, a girl in a men's gym? Like, I guess that probably wasn't the done thing back then.
0: Yeah, it was. And I think as a young girl, they allowed me to go in there uh, before the men came in, but women didn't do that back in those times, and, and uh, you know, I used to sort of, uh, the press would get hold of it, and sort of after a while, they'd say this young girl in in the men's gym, and they call me the Aussie Amazon, you know, pumping weights and doing weights, but I had a wonderful gym coach, and Stan Nichols, and I believe he was before his time, and he, he coached a lot of Olympic athletes and tennis players, and you know I I just I loved all that side of it that that side of it was very easy to me I sometimes enjoyed that side of it more probably even than the tennis side
2: <laughs> well it does take a lot of hard work though to be able to achieve those dreams I mean it must have taken a lot of determination and sacrifice to be able to get there uh yeah
0: but you know people used to say to me oh you're missing your teenage years and I say no I never did because I loved what I was doing and I just loved the running and running the sand hills and up in the dandelongs up and we'd have a picnic and we'd do group things. I think back then it was made to be fun. There was a lot of variety with the gym and all the different training things that we did, but it was Keith Rogers kept it to be fun. And, I mean, even he would pick me up at 4.30 in the morning to to run the streets and, you know, you'd be running and Doberman's chasing you. And <laughs> um, But, you know, he himself, so they sewed their life into me and, and I had wonderful coaches, wonderful mentors. And, you know, they, they really believed in me, I think, more than I believed in myself at that time.
2: Yeah, interesting. And I think that's often what it takes, isn't it? People around yeah. you who are supportive.
0: That's right. And I think... That's a big part of it, and they encourage you. And when you're down in a match somewhere and you think, oh, I can't do it, but you can sort of hear their voices saying, come on, you're the best, you can do it.
2: Well, I mean, you were very successful in your professional career, um, so much success. What was it like then to be on that circuit? I mean, you're pretty much winning practically every game you ever played in. What was it like to be on that circuit, travelling the world, um, winning game after game?
0: I love the tennis side of it. I think as for the all the traveling and living in a suitcase week out of, mm. after week, we didn't have the money like they have today and, you know, you can come and go. We'd, we left Australia, we were normally away for 10 months of the year and so I used to get homesick because I love my nation and uh, I used to think, oh, by the time I was 25, I retired. I thought I've had enough of it. I'd won everything. I'd won every major and... Uh, that's when I came to Perth to live and in those two years uh, Perth I didn't pick up a tennis racket but picked up a squash racket and uh, not knowing I'd ever go back into tennis and met my husband in that time and after we're married I said why don't you just see the life I've led and we go overseas for just a year and then we were going to go farming and Open tennis came in at that time, and I got back to number two in the world in the first year. I won my first tournament after I went back after having two years out, and uh, I surprised myself and everybody, and so then we went on for about another seven years, but it was much better and nicer traveling with your husband than traveling on your own all the time, and that made such a difference. He became my manager, um, or everything to me, and so it, it made a lot of difference, and that was in that period of time there where I won the Grand Slam.
2: It's quite cool that I kind of get the feeling that there's nothing you can't do when it comes to tennis. I mean, (laughs) every single challenge that was thrown your way, uh, you just rose to the challenge and you decided, right, let's go back to tennis after I've had a child and two children and um, let's just keep on going. And, I mean, it must have been hard to know when to stop.
0: Well, I think you always do know when to stop and uh, I think everybody thought after I had our first child and I said, no, I didn't feel it was time. I thought... I wanted to be the number one mum in the world. I probably should have said I'd have a go for another Grand Slam because I did get three out of the four in that year. But um, then after having the second child, um, I went back and I thought my heart's not here anymore and I really didn't have any goals. And I always, even when I teach or I speak with young people, I say it's so important to have a vision and have a goal or to have a dream that you can look out in front and that you know that you can reach to it and train to it and work towards it. And it just reminded me of seeing that young girl, Jessica, go around the world. She had a dream. She stepped out and she achieved it. And I think there's a dream there for every person to do that.
1: Margaret, I assume you've got a very large mantelpiece at home which carries all the trophies you've won over the years. I mean, your sporting success is just astronomical. And obviously, you've gone on from that. You've become uh, involved with the church, and you're very, I guess, for want of a better word, successful in the church circles as well. So as you look back over the years, do you sort of feel like the sporting side of things is insignificant? Do you see other people these days pressing and pushing for the trophy or the, the medallion or whatever it is in their sporting area that, they, that they're that they striving for and do you sort of feel like that's insignificant how do you actually um, you know, align the two
0: yeah but I I always as a little girl knew my gift was from God mm-hmm. um, and people the press would say to me why are you so good i say it's a gift from God yeah. I knew that as a little girl I perhaps didn't know him when I was playing uh, as I know him today but I did give my heart to Christ when I was number one in the world because I used to go to church every Sunday, but I remember I was sitting in France and they were speaking in Latin and French, and I said, God, where are you? I know my gift is from you, but I want to know you in a deeper way. I was sitting in this church. I couldn't understand a word, but I knew there was a lot more than what I knew, and I wanted the reality of him, and I really reached out to him, and I became a... A born again Christian when I was number one and gave my heart to Christ and then went back into the tennis circuit. But after the tennis circuit and having four little children and being a mom and not, you know, I knew God had something for me, but I I didn't know what it was. And I did go through a rough patch in my life in 79 through early 80s. I became very sick, uh, torn valve of the heart, depression. And uh, I had these four little babies, great husband, and I thought, where am I going? What am I doing? And it wasn't until uh, a couple of businessmen came to me and said, Margaret, come and hear something on faith uh, that you can grow in the scriptures. I didn't know much about the Bible. And it was in that time, in 82 and 83, that I went to Bible school and my life changed. My heart was healed, totally healed. I was set free from depression, uh, insomnia. And, you know, people saw it change my life completely. And I think that was where the turning point. I knew that God had something far bigger and greater for me. And it wasn't while the children were very little that I went into full-time ministry. It wasn't until my daughter, my youngest daughter, was sort of in her latter years at school that I felt I was uh, called into ministry full time and uh, that was when I I started to work and then started the church in 1996 and and now it's grown to over 2,000 people and um, you know what changed my life is helping to change other people's lives.
2: It's interesting that God provided that next challenge for you. You're definitely a very challenge driven person and uh, he came through just when you know you were I guess maybe starting to feel a little bit comfortable as as a mother and everything, and just went right. Okay, here's your next challenge: uh, start running a church.
0: Well, I always hated public speaking. I oh, really wow. uh, was a very shy person in many ways in my my tennis days, and it was amazing that through Bible school and and learning to renew your mind to the scriptures, and because it's a the wonderful scriptures in Romans eight eleven said the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within us and makes alive our mortal flesh and and you know you can brings healing to the body and i didn't know all those things but i started to find he became my strength my sufficiency my ability that that word of god gets down on the inside of you and such confidence comes and a boldness comes and all those areas where i was sort of insecure or uh, you know, very shy in many ways and uh, give me a tennis racket, I was fine but to do some other things I'd just back off and back away and it's like he says in the scriptures your weakness it becomes your strength and uh, he does that and I think that's what's so wonderful and particularly you've been go through depressions and things. You you learn through the scriptures It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's so important. We all know that the mind is the battlefield and what we think on is what we'll become. And that's why uh, it's so powerful and it's everyday life, it's its like you breathe it, you eat it, becomes a part of your life and I only wished I'd known. What I know now when I was playing tennis, I believe I would have won six Wimbledons and not three. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, What is the biggest thing you've learnt, uh, I guess, as a result of um, pastoring the church?
0: Um, people. Uh, you know, there's so many people there that need help and uh, you know, to walk in love and faith and To know God's peace, Uh, I think just knowing that we can know him here on earth, we're not waiting until we get home to heaven, that the reality of him here, that we can walk in his presence, his love, his forgiveness, his healing power, his blessing, Uh, he wants us to know it here and to know him here. And that's why Jesus Christ really died for mankind is to have fellowship and relationship here on earth, not waiting until you get home to heaven or mm-hmm. hoping you're going to get there. Am I going to make it? But the reality of it here, that it'd be more real to you than anybody around you.
1: Over the last few years, you've uh, established your own TV brand as well, Margaret Court TV. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
0: Well, some, some years ago, probably about five years ago now that uh, our worship leader, in our church and came and said, I really believe that uh, we need to, to branch out into television. And and it was a part of the vision. Uh, God gave me uh, a vision because our church has been going 15 years this, this July. And he gave me a dream and a vision there. And I wrote it down and I saw it like a tree and different branches. And, you know, we have a community services that feed seven ton of food, a week and and that was a part of the vision and so was television, so was an international Bible training centre, missions area. They were all part of the vision and television was a part of it. And so we we did, we started it and now we're in about 120 different nations in the world.
2: So what's next then? I mean, your life is about challenges. Has God (laughs) revealed to you what the next challenge is going to be?
0: Well, I think with the work I travel quite a bit, and we've got works in other nations, apostolic works in West Timor and Liberia and and into Uganda and quite a lot of nations around the world. And, um, you know, there's just so much, I believe, with that. We've got Healing School, the International Bible Training. I believe it's expanding that. We have about um, over 90 students or 100 and something with part-time in our Bible school. But we've got uh, 49 international, so we've got 13 different nations there. Um, it's just expanding areas, and I, I believe reaching into a community, helping community. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of needs we find that sort of got uh, a lot more than when we first started. Uh, a lot of the areas that we're doing are just expanding. So there's so much to do in that area, and I think just helping people and uh, seeing Christianity go forth and. And I love my nation. You want to see God's hand upon our nation. I don't want to see it going like many nations of the world are going today. They've gone into darkness. And I believe as long as we lift God up and put God as our soul's vital necessity, we honor him and reverence him as leaders in our nation, uh, God's hand will be on a nation. It will be a blessed nation. And I think people lose the sight of Christianity is all about God. It's all about our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something that's out to get you and hit you over He is a God of love and when we honour Him, we reverence Him, we lift Him up, uh, God will have blessed nations and, uh, and I think that's where a lot of nations are moved away from God and, and darkness has come in and we look at a lot of the nations of the world today, absolute messes and I just pray uh, that Australia never goes that way, that we can lift him up and honour him, uh, stand by his law of of love and uh, legislations that we just don't go because of minority groups wanting things changed, but we go with God's word. And that's what brings peace and love you know in the scriptures it says life and death are in the power of the tongue and we eat the fruit of it and that's why when people dream their dreams and they start to speak it and they put it out in front of it and they they work towards it and that's why our mouths are are so important and not to get over into such negativity and being critical and murmuring and complaining but our goals are in the future and it's a wonderful nation and that we can go to great heights we can help other nations and be such a strength to other nations in the world and and help them to overcome and take some of our ideas I believe to those nations and and particularly in practical side and helping them and encouraging them and and training them in many ways and helping them uh, to become better people and And uh, just, you know, with our farming, with our agriculture, with our our mining, so many areas that we can help other nations.
2: Mm, It's a matter of um, thinking globally but acting locally. uh, That's right. You do it at
0: home and then when you've done it,
2: then you start uh, you can take it
0: and help yeah. others and it's no difference in the church it changes your life it works in your life and then you can help others and change other lives and mm. uh, I guess I've always been that way unless I can uh, do something and achieve something in my own life how can I be an example to somebody else
1: so then as you look back over your life as a whole of course tennis has played a big part in that what would you say tennis means to you
0: tennis to me I think I loved it as a little girl Uh, I was also a good runner I was a good athlete and um, as I said it was a a gift uh, to me from God and I had goals and I I achieved them and I believe sport is so wonderful for children um, and it brings a lot of disciplines, a commitment uh, even you know representing, I loved representing my nation, I loved when we had Federation Cup and the and the flag would go up and goosebumps on goosebumps. And mm. I think we should never forget our nation. And I think uh, particularly uh, sport, that uh, we represent our nation because the nation's behind you, the nation's with you, you're playing for your nation. And I believe sport is such a, a, uh, I guess, an area uh, that people can be role models to young people and I think people are looking for that today and uh, sport is, uh, brings rewards with it but don't ever forget that where it comes from
2: mm, Absolutely I'm curious, you said that you still play the occasional game of tennis a couple of times a week Do you ever lose?
0: Every now and again I hit a shot and it takes me back to, <laughs> <laughs> to when I played um, and I enjoy it um, You know, it's... Uh, it's a wonderful game, and it's a game you can play through a very late in life. Yeah. And, um, you know, I sort of went to, I didn't play in it, but I did the presentation at the World Veterans to still see people playing at 90. Uh, you know, that I think that's wonderful. And it's just the social side of it and meeting people. And even they can still travel and do what they want to do. I, I think it's a great game. And, uh, you know, I'd say to every mum and dad, uh, you know, it's, it's Social game, So many people can get out and play social tennis at weekends, or whatever you want to do with it. Uh, and you can you can travel with it. And uh, you know, I, I think it's sad when people say, "Well, I played when I'm young, and I don't play now," and and they're not doing anything. I think it's a game you can always mm-hmm. pick up. Just have a few coaching lessons, and you get your confidence back, and 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 you're on the way.
2: I've got to ask, when was the last time you lost a match? <laughs>
0: Um, I, I don't know, <laughs> uh, but, uh... You I feel know, I,
2: sorry for your opponents.
0: Well, I just, uh, from a, a very good friend of mine that uh, we, she did travel and, and play when we were younger. Uh, we trained together in Melbourne. Uh, she was Helen Plaster then, Helen Muir. She still plays in a lot of the veterans. We play and then often just a a couple of other men from our church who were quite good. Uh, We play doubles or we play singles, so uh, you know, I just just have fun with it now.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. I'm sure it must be a great time to uh, to spend with other people. Margaret, it's just been fascinating uh, finding out more about your life. Uh, You've had an amazing journey, and uh, thank you for sharing it with us.
0: No, well, you know, you have your ups and downs and go through things in life, but you come out the other end, they make you a better person, you enjoy it, and I think then you pass it on to others. Even after I finished tennis, I coached for quite some years, and till I went into ministry, I stopped it. But, um, you know, I've had a very full life, very uh, successful, I enjoy it and I look forward to to doing that until like I go home and be with the Lord.
1: If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com and also you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week.
2: History Makers.